to the Home Spoiler Cast. I'm Jim. If you didn't already know, it's the first Spoiler Cast of the new year, and uh, so I hope you're all uh, ready to talk and listen. I guess more than talk, um, but still. Oh, this has been a pretty crazy week added upon four years of crazy weeks. Um, it doesn't look as if 2021 is going to be that much different than 2020, at least not in the beginning. Yeah, it's it's just absolutely insanity out there, folks. Um, a lot of craziness. A couple of things that have stuck out. And then, of course, we'll, you know, we'll talk about the big stuff in a minute, but um, that, you know, I thought it's been pretty crazy. Oh, the other day I saw some Democratic representative on the House floor leading a prayer. You guys probably know where I'm going with this one. And he ended the prayer with a men and a women. And I shrieked in horror. I mean, it was it was absolutely just plain ridiculous actually. Um as you know, it's not a men is not gender neutral. I mean, it's not gendered. It's not it it's not we don't say a men because we're a patriarchal society. You know, it literally just means like so be it or make it so or I, I don't know exactly the translation in Hebrew, but it's a word, um, you know, any more than – no more than any other word. Like if you said manual labor, that does not mean anything about men. You know, you wouldn't say manual labor for men and women womenial labor for women or, you know, um, or if we talk about the Postal Service having mail, that is not meaning men. You know, you don't have male and then female. You know, male is male. It has nothing to do with gender. It's just, um, I know it's spelled a little differently, but still, my point is, amen is not anything to do with gender. So that was pretty ridiculous right from the start. The circus already has begun. And I, I know, I, that, that just, I just found it to be very strange and a strange way to start off the new Congress. And you would think that people would know better. Um, even people like Nancy Pelosi, um, she's Catholic. And, I mean, that doesn't mean she's a bad person or anything because she's Catholic. But the point is she's she grew up in church in which they said amen. So you'd think that she would know better. I mean, she might not have theology down real well or, you know, I mean, you can make arguments about that or whether she really follows her religion. It's not really important. The point is you would think that something as fundamental as what amen means, she would understand that that's not a political statement or a uh, – you know, it's not a gendered statement to say amen. So, you know, I mean even when I was a teenager, I was not a Christian. I mean I wasn't anti-Christ, but I just wasn't a Christian growing up. Um, I was pretty neutral, I guess. And – there were things that I knew about, even though I didn't go to church. I mean, I knew – I didn't know exactly what amen meant, but I knew that it was used at the end of a prayer. I knew what heaven was. I knew, you know, who Jesus was. I mean, as far as the basics, you know. Um, you know, there were just things that you know just from the culture. And, you know, so I would I, – I was quite surprised that no Democrats – seem to understand what amen meant. Um, and, and what's actually even equally surprising is that a lot of the late night hosts mocked the Democrats for this, even though many of them are liberal themselves and are not religious people, but they, they even found that ridiculous. They're like, this is, this is so dumb. I mean, why would you, why would you say that? Why would you, why would you say, I mean, they just, I mean, they just, I don't know what the jokes were. I don't remember them. And I, even if I did, I'm not a very good joke teller. Like, to be honest, sometimes I can say things that are kind of funny, but I'm not – I've never been good at jokes. I just can't get the uh, the beat down. You know, like 
you know, there's a certain beat to telling a joke where you where you pause for a second and then do the punchline, or you know, there's a certain way you have to do alliteration, and not, not alliteration. I'm sorry, but uh, the intonation of your voice. You know, you kind of. I don't even know how to describe it, but if you listen to comedians, they they certain words they kind of put emphasis on, you know, so that when they go to do the punchline, it's got the you know it's got the oomph to it, and I just can't do that. Like my jokes just fall really flat and they sound pathetic. I I just can't get it down, so I, I wouldn't be able to repeat them anyway, um, it the same way. But I thought it was just pretty funny, and I was surprised because I didn't expect. Um, I didn't expect the late night host to be making fun of Democrats because it's just maybe I've just been brainwashed after four years of Trump and just like every night is just Trump, Trump, Trump jokes. So I just I guess I had forgotten that maybe they they might make fun of other people at times. But anyway, it was craziness. Um, and then I guess I, I'm not exactly sure all the details about this, but I guess they've. They're doing, I, I don't know if this is – it's got to be a ban on Congress because there's no way they can ban free speech in the country. So, But they want – the Democrats in the House are eliminating words like that are very gender neutral like father and mother and uh, son and daughter and things like that. So I, I would guess that that means that when they're writing a bill probably, instead of saying – I don't know what – I don't know what bill you would write in which you would say something about a father and a son, but – you know, but I'm just saying, if if that was the case, they probably you'd probably have to word it in a gender neutral way, like, you know, the male. Well, you couldn't say male either. You know, the offspring, who, you know, um, I I don't know. I, I, you know, like offspring instead of son. You know, the person's offspring. You know, I mean, I just just really kind of weird political correct language, which is just, you know, um. Just another example of of, of lunacy, and uh, I don't know. Democrats are always good for a laugh because they they're always uh, they've always got something that they're they're upset about, or that, you know. I mean, it's just they're they're just a lot of fun to make fun of. Um, they're so easily easy to make fun of, and I, I've I, even when I was a kid, I didn't understand why. Uh, now I do, but when I was a kid, I didn't understand why uh, comedians and late night hosts and Saturday Night Live picked on Republicans more than Democrats because I thought Democrats are so much funnier. They they say dumb things. They behave in stupid ways. I thought I don't understand why when I watch one of these shows, it seems like the punchlines are always on Republicans when – I mean the Democrats are far funnier now. The Republicans are not perfect. I mean, don't get me wrong. I am not real. I align myself more with Republicans than I do with Democrats, but I'm not a Republican. So, I mean, don't get me wrong here to think that um, I don't think Republicans should be made fun of and they're all good, decent, honorable, wonderful people who can do nothing wrong. Um, no, I mean, there, there are things that Republicans do that I think are ridiculous and I think are funny and worthy, but but just growing up, you I didn't see that very often. I, I mostly saw the Republicans being made fun of and the Democrats who do these ridiculous things and they really sometimes the media would or the yeah, the well, media, I guess, the late night hosts and things would sometimes just touch on it, but they would just be savage on Republicans. But on the Democrats they would just a little bit, you know, kind of touch on it and then they'd move on. But yeah, I mean this kind of stuff. I mean, I don't know how you could describe uh, a son, a father, a son, a mother, a daughter, a husband, wife. How how I don't know how you could describe that without, you know, gender neutral. Like I I don't know, I I don't see how you could do that. I I, I would be an impossible task for me. And I just think it's hilarious that they would even try to to eliminate those words. Like, but in all fairness, like I said, I I also don't know what kind of bills you would pass that would that would refer to fathers and sons or mothers to daughters or husbands and wives. I mean, unless it's a tax thing, I don't really know. I I don't really know where you would have to use the words in the bill, you know, saying, you know, about a father can't do this or a father. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't even imagine a scenario. But anyway, 
you know, they're just already starting the lunacy, and it's going to be a crazy two years, guys. It's going to be craziness, and it's going to be a lot of fun to cover for Tom and I, but for uh, the country, though, it's going to be – it's not going to be a real fun time. Uh, apparently now, of course, as you have all are well aware, that um, the Democrats are now going to control the Senate – uh, and we say control the Senate only because it's it's really a split it's really a split Senate, which so but but they they and and the Senate will um, I don't know it happened once before and I where they they share duties kind of fifty fifty, uh, but they will say but you'll hear them say that the Democrats control the Senate only because if there was a tie a fifty fifty tie. Then the vice president gets to vote, and since the vice president is a Democrat or will be a Democrat, then she will more than likely vote in favor with the Democrats. So that's why you'll hear people say that the Democrats have the majority because if it comes down to if it comes down to a, a tie vote, the Democrats will win on any issue. So so they don't technically control the Senate; it's a tied Senate, but. With Kamala Harris, it will give them a, an advantage that that the Republicans won't have. So that um, let me let me this might kind of go into the other stuff I'm talking about, but I will just say that the Republicans brought this on themselves, and Donald Trump helped. There is no excuse for the Georgia Senate. Both seats to go Democrat. No excuse. And I'm not saying this as a partisan. I'm not saying that there's no excuse for people to vote for Democrats or all this, although it is questionable whether they should ever. But um, but I'm not I'm not arguing that point as a partisan. I'm saying Georgia is a Republican state. There is no doubt it is a uh, a, a red state there, and there is no excuse for the Democrats to win except bungling on the Republican side. In those kind of states, in those states, Republicans uh, the, the Republicans have to lose the race. Democrats – let me put it this way. Democrats cannot win in those states. Republicans have to lose in those states. You understand what I'm saying? Like there is not going to be a situation where Democrats win. It is where the Republicans do something, blunder so badly that they lose the election, and a Democrat just wins by default. That's what I'm trying to say. Those are not Democratic states. So Georgia going Democrat, it's because the Republicans were, were just negligent in their role, and Donald Trump gets a lot of blame for this. You know, I've been warning here – for a couple of weeks now, that Donald Trump needs to stop. He, he needs to stop his election, stolen election rhetoric. It may be true. I'm not, I'm not taking a position one way or the other and saying it was stolen, it wasn't stolen. There are definite questions that have been arisen by these races. But, the, but by Donald Trump continuing to say that the race, particularly in Georgia, was stolen and was fraudulent. It depressed the Republican vote. It kept them from coming out because many of – and some of them even said, I'm not going to vote because there's no point. The election is already rigged. Democrats are going to win, and it ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. They believed that the Democrats were going to win, so there was no point in voting, so they didn't vote. So the Democrats came out and voted, so they, so they didn't vote, and then the Democrats came out and voted, and the Democrats won because the Republicans stayed home, and they said, see, we told you the Democrats were going to win. This is why we didn't vote. You know, It's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you know, they um, – you know, so it, it just – it's just sad. It, it upsets me um, that the Democrats won those seats, but – I'm not mad at the Democrats. I mean, hey, if you know, if if somebody leaves you anonymously a thousand dollars at your doorstep, 
or a million dollars or whatever, you know, you're not going to cry about it. You're like, oh, okay, well, that's great. Um, I'll take it. And that's what happened with the Democrats. I mean, hey, if the Republicans are just going to give them the election, you're not going to hear them complain and be like, oh, well, we don't deserve it. Let's not let's not take it. You know, of course, they're going to take it. I don't blame them. You know, the the Republicans would do the same thing if the Democrats nominated an idiot and uh, for for the Senate and you had the president who was a, a Democrat bringing down the entire ticket. The Republicans would be glad to accept it and to use that take use that advantage to 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 uh, to win. I mean, I'm not you know, I, I don't I don't blame the Democrats for accepting it and not questioning it and all that. I blame the Republicans. There is no reason why this should have happened. Um, so, but for our country, this is a, this is bad news. Now, granted any, you know, they can only win if they, if they all bold bond together, they can only win by one vote. And so the big issues are going, are not going to happen. Like, you know, there's going to be some things, I mean, Biden will get his nominees through easily and things like this, but if it came down to like defunding the police and we're talking the Senate here, um, if it came to packing the court, things like this, number one, or you're, you're not going to, the Democrats are not in lockstep agreement on those issues. And even if it comes to issues like universal health care or Medicare for all, or any of those things, there are many um, Democrats like Joe Manchin of West Virginia. There are many conservative Democrats, uh, John Tester of Montana, you know, they're Democrats, but they're very conservative. They come from conservative areas. And so on issues um, like gun control and packing the court and these kind of the health care for all, they're very conservative on those issues. And so you're not going to get them to come over. So that's the major problem is, you know, packing the court is too controversial. You would have to have a supermajority to pack the Supreme Court. And even then, it's not a guaranteed thing because the people ha are are opposed to that sort of thing. They don't. The American people don't like. Uh, they don't really like change in general, but they certainly don't like change for change's sake, and they don't like change to give somebody a political advantage. They're not, you know, if there was, if you could make a case for a legitimate reason to add more seats to the Supreme Court, then the American people would say, yeah, it makes sense. Okay, let's do it. But there is no. Lot, any logical reason to add some cheese, add to the Supreme Court, except it's not fair. We don't have a majority. Well, the people aren't going to stand for that. They're not going to to rise up or to say yes. You have our blessing. Go ahead and do that. Um, you know, uh, and and you're not going to have John Joe Manchin. And I mean, we'll just say Joe Manchin. Not even talk about any of the other people. Joe Manchin, you know, is is the Democrat from West Virginia. He's not. He's not going to support that. He's already said he's not going to support universal health care. He's already said he's not going to support gun control. He's already said he's not going to support um, packing the court and defunding the police. So that would mean that if every other member of the Democratic Party or Democratic senators supported it, they would end up with only 49 votes. They wouldn't have 50, which means certainly that that Obviously, that if you if if you're any good at math, and I'm not, but even I understand this, then that means that the Republicans would have more votes because he'd be voting with the Republicans. So Kamala Harris would have no reason to come in and vote. So the Republicans would win on that issue. So true on the big issues, there's not a lot to worry about as far as um, you know because they'd ha they'd have to bring in uh, they'd have to keep their entire caucus together plus bring in Republicans. Um, to really pass anything significant. So that's not going to happen. But still, there are a lot of other, other things, that smaller things that can happen that I don't approve of, higher taxes, uh, foreign interventions, uh, you know. Uh, the big things I don't think we have to worry about. That's just my opinion because, like I said, if they're too controversial, you're not going to get all 50 Democratic senators to support it. And... Um, I lost my train of thought, but it, you know, so, but, but there are going to be some smaller issues that I'm not going to be happy about. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that it's all going to be great and Democrats aren't going to do anything. 
they're just going to be powerless and they're just going to sit there on their hands for two years. No, they're going to they're going to pass some things. They're going to do things that I don't agree with at all. But I'm just saying on the on the huge, really scary issues that could change our country fundamentally, they're not going to be able to get those things done. So it's a small silver lining, but there is some silver lining to to their small majority. They can't they won't be able to get much major things done. Most of what they get done can be easily taken care of if the Republicans retake the Senate or the White House in four years. Um, you know, we can, we can correct those things, but back in the court, you can't just correct that when the next president comes in. You can't, you know, if they pass a huge gun control legislation, the Republicans can't just change that unless they have a supermajority in the House, the Senate, and the presidency. I mean, you got to have this trifecta, and that's, it doesn't come along very often. So it's not something you can count on, like, oh, well, next time we have the majority of everything. I mean, that's, that doesn't happen real often. So so it's not something you can count on. But um, but I, I am disappointed, and I am rather angry, that uh, when four years ago, four short years ago, the Republicans had a majority of everything. We had the White House. We had the Senate. We had the House of Representatives. We have the Supreme Court. We had a majority of the governorships and the legislatures. And now, four short years later, we've lost everything. Everything is gone. Now, true, we don't have – there's not a huge majority in the House. There's only a few. It's a very small majority in the House, and it's an extremely razor-thin majority of only one vote in a tie in the Senate. And they have a very weak president in the White House, um, a guy who's obviously ill, a guy who's – I don't mean this in any light way, but he will be very lucky to finish out his term. And I, I don't mean because of any nefarious causes. I just mean because of his age and his health, he might not be able to serve his full term. So, and he's not extremely charismatic like Barack Obama was. He's not an eloquent speaker, so he's he's got less of a chance to to really rally up the base and give great speeches and get people um, to win people's support. That is true. All those things are true, but I don't like Democrats controlling everything. I don't like it. I, I think it's dangerous for the country. I think it's. I don't know. There's just a whole lot of reasons why I'm not happy with it. And it bothers me that we lost all those things under Trump. We lost them all. And we saw the Supreme Court, thankfully. But um, but it takes a while to get to the Supreme Court, and not everything does. Honestly, there are still a lot of issues in this country that have never been addressed and have never gone to the Supreme Court. So, you know, like the 14th Amendment as to whether or not an immigrant, an immigrant woman, a pregnant immigrant woman could come over the border, give birth, you know, and that that child is an actual U.S. citizen because she crossed the border illegally. Does that make her or does that make that child a citizen, even though the Constitution says that any person born in the United States is a citizen? Does that apply if they're here illegally? Does that apply if they just step foot over the border, give birth, and then go back to Mexico. You could say, well, my child was born in America, so they're a citizen even though we live in Mexico. I mean, I, I don't know. These are questions that aren't have never been addressed to the Supreme Court, even though there have been questions that have gone around for decades. People have had that question, but it's never made its way. There's questions about what exactly is a natural-born citizen you know, um, you know, in the eligibility for the president. We don't know. It's never been addressed in the Supreme Court. You know, We're not really sure. If, um, you know, we, we have many cases where uh, people are of mixed uh, parentage, like, uh, and I don't mean mixed race, but I mean even men like Ted Cruz, um, you know, had one parent that was American and another parent that was foreign, you know, and he was living, I think he lived in Canada, um, and he was born, but he claims and his supporters have claimed that because his mother was American and she had never renounced her citizenship, even though she was no longer living in the United States, she lived permanently in Canada, 
but she still technically goes American, so that makes him an American citizen. I don't know. I don't know if that does make him an American citizen. There have been questions. You know, there were questions about Barack Obama, whether he was eligible. There have been questions about John McCain. He was born in Panama, in in the Panama Canal. Um, Mitt Romney, uh, Mitt Romney or his father, one of the two was born in Mexico. Um, you know, and so there have been legitimate questions as to whether or not they'd be eligible to run for president, because. You know, it's never, you know, so my, my point is this has been going on for like 50 years. There's been questions about what a natural born citizen is as opposed to any other kind of citizen. Um, you know, so my, my point is that the wheels of justice move very slow. There have been many, many questions. Uh, abortion is another big one. You know, Roe v. Wade was decided over 50 years ago. And ever since then, Republicans have said they want to repeal Roe v. Wade, and yet uh, there has never been an abortion issue that's come to the Supreme Court that directly is about Roe v. Wade. It's always, you know, it's always on some ancillary issue as to whether you, you know, a, a business has to provide health uh, abortion or contraceptives and stuff like that, but never directly about abortion. It's never come up, and it's been over 50 years, so. My point is that yeah, it's great to have the Supreme Court as a last, as a, as a last, a last ditch effort to stop, uh, to stop uh, unconstitutional legislation. But not everything goes to the Supreme Court, or it takes forever. Like I said, you know, it takes forty or fifty years, and we still haven't got some of these answers to the Supreme Court yet, because it just hasn't got there. So there's no guarantee that if the Democrats pass things that are unconstitutional, that in our lifetime it'll ever get to the Supreme Court to be reversed. So that's why, even though I'm happy we have the Supreme Court, um, I would feel much better if we had the Senate or the presidency to be able to curb anything the House does. And and the reason I, I single out the House is because districts, because of gerrymandering, and Republicans do this too, so I'm not I'm not picking on the Democrats. Both parties do this, where they create safe seats in many districts. For example, AOC in New York, uh, Nancy Pelosi in San Francisco. Those are two Democrat examples. I could come up with Republican examples too, um, and I'll do that maybe some other time. But those two, they have strong Democratic seats. Like they're, they're, their seats are safe. It is completely Democrat. It is like 99% Democrat, their district. There is no chance that Nancy Pelosi is going to be voted out of office in her district. There's no chance that AOC is going to be voted out unless they redistrict. But um, so what you end up in the House is my point is in the House, you wind up with hyperpartisan people, people, Republicans and Democrats who can take very harsh stands on their issues because they don't have to worry about the people at home. Where senators, they represent an entire state, so they can't be as partisan because they've got to still appeal to the other party and independents. But AOC doesn't have to appeal to independents. She doesn't have to try to appeal to Republicans. She can dig her heels into the dirt and say, this is what I believe and I'm not budging. And the people back home will cheer her on because that's what they believe. And they're not budging either. You know, and so – the House can be much more hyperpartisan, and when you have a House that's controlled by the Democrats, you're going to end up with a lot of very left-wing and possibly unconstitutional bills passing through. And I would much rather have a Senate that is Republican or the White House that is Republican that can be – that can look at the bill and say, this is too far, and I'm going to put a stop to it. Um, if all three control, then then these things have to go in, then they get passed, and then you have to have somebody sue, and then it's got to go through the process, go through the appeals courts and the, you know, and the state courts and all that and the appeals process, and then then it goes to the Supreme Court, and then you know, and then even the Supreme Court doesn't have to take it; they can say we're not going to look at this, we're not going to entertain this question. So that's why I say I'm not real. I'm happy that we have something, but I'd much rather have something else in addition to the Supreme Court.
And uh, I just I think that what happened was this is my opinion, and there's going to be people who agree with me or disagree with me on this. I know, but I, I really believe this to be true. I, I believe that part of that is the failure of Donald Trump to reach out to anybody but his hardcore supporters. He never made an attempt to try to reach out beyond, or at least maybe early on he did, but certainly in the past two years, he hasn't made any attempt to reach out to people other than his own party. And I, I just, it, it, it's bothered me for a long time. These, you know, if he wants to have a Twitter, that's fine. I think it's great in this day and age to have a Twitter. I think that's a good way to communicate directly with the people and not have to go through the press. I think it's a good way to stay in constant contact. If I was a politician, I would use Twitter um, because it's a way of just it's in real time. You can you know, you don't have to go through the whole um, I, I don't know. Anyway, it's just it's just immediate. You can just immediately directly talk to the people. But to use it to settle scores and to call people names and things, I don't think it was effective. I don't think and I think it turned people off and I think. It turned people off to give sound bites and to not give focus to what you're trying to accomplish. Um, you know, Donald Trump tweeting something about football players kneeling, that might be a problem. I'm not I'm not ardent that that isn't an issue and it doesn't matter. But if you just tweet that and then just let the people have to figure out what to do with that, you know, the president should be offering leadership and guidance. What what they do is, you take, you if if you want to if you want to control, uh, sounds bad, but to control the will of the people, if you tell people, hey guys, this is a problem, we need to address, then you have to lead them along. You have to be the shepherd and say, this is how we're going to address it. I'm going to do this, this, and this, and and get the people to support you. What you don't do is just say, you know, uh, people who kneel. It's un, it's a disgrace and and, and un-American, and then just leave the people to figure. Okay, what do we do with this? Because now you've got people going in all different directions. They don't know what they're supposed to do with this information. Yeah, now they're angry about it. What does that mean? Should we? You know, the people don't have any control. How are the people supposed to deal with that? It's not the people's responsibility. We can. Some people are going to say that we need to boycott sports. Some people are going to say we need to shoot the football players who kneel. I mean. People are going to come up with all these different versions of what to do with it because there's no leadership. All that you did is just tell everybody this is a problem, get everyone worked up, and then you step away and say, well, you guys deal with it. It's not the American people's job to regulate businesses and what and what football players do. What do you want us to do with that? If you want to call for us to boycott, that's one thing. If you want us to, to call up the owners and complain, that's something – I mean – but just to tell us this is a problem and then step away, the people have no way of knowing what to do with this information, and then you just end up with chaos, different people fighting with each other about what's the most effective way to deal with this. And you know, and I think that's just been a problem all along, that Trump is good at finding what a problem is, but then not showing any leadership on how we're going to address that problem. It's the same thing with the riots. You know, he kept tweeting law and order and 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 these kind of things and this is Biden's America and this is you know that's not helping yeah we need law and order you need to explain to us what do we need to do you know what do you want us to do with this are you are you looking for our backing if you send in the national guard okay if that's the case then you got it tell us what you need but to just say this is egregious this is horrible this is sad and pathetic and disgusting and 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 this, what are the people supposed to do with it? Then you end up with people like Kyle Rettenhouse, who takes a gun and he goes into Washington to help curb the violence because the president isn't doing anything. So the people feel like they have to take responsibility and they have to do something and they don't know what to do. And now poor Kyle is in, in, in um, is on trial, you know, and, and I'm not saying he's not responsible for any of his actions. I mean, but I'm, my point is that he, didn't know what to do with the information he's being presented. He's being told that this is a crisis. He's being told that this is out of control. He's been told that, you know, all, you know that all, all these things. But he's not being told what what is expected of him. What do we need you to do? And 
So being a guy, and this is a thing that guys do, guys like to solve problems and they like to take control. And if you tell them, do whatever, you know, do whatever you think is right. Well, it might not always be the right thing that they choose to do. You know, people need leadership at times. They need, they need someone to stand in front and, and, you know, that's why, you know, we have generals and things in the military. We don't just say, Hey, there's a bunch of bad guys in this area. Okay. Well, all right, bye. And, and you just leave the soldiers there. They have to be told, this is what we're going to do. We need you to do this. This is what we need you to do. This is what we need you to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is when we're going to do it. This is the plan. You need to have a plan. And I just, it just bothered me that for a long time, Trump would find a problem and it's a legitimate problem. He would tweet about it, but he wouldn't address the issue. He wouldn't tell us what we need to do. He wouldn't tell us how we need to do it, what he thinks the, the solution to that problem is. He would just bring up a problem and then there would be just utter chaos because everybody has different ideas of how to solve that problem. Some people don't think it's a problem. Some, you know, a lot of people think it is a problem, but they don't know what to do about it. Some people, you know, want a more violent approach. Some people want a very peaceful approach. You know, some people just want to wait it out. Like, well, maybe let us get out of their system. You know, uh, you know, uh, you know, like with the protests. You know, some people thought just let them, let it burn, let it burn, let it get, let them get out of the system. They're burning their own cities. Who cares? Just let them do it. You know, other people are saying we need to send in the National Guard. Other people are saying that we need to go with our guns and bring peace to these areas. Some people, you know, um, you know, so you end up with utter chaos because nobody knows what to do about the situation. They just know it's a problem because the president's telling everybody that this is this is an insurrection. This is horrible. This is tragic. Something needs to be done. And then everybody is, you know, acting like uh, the Three Stooges trying to solve the problem. They're all bumping into each other. They're you know, creating chaos, you know, and just acting like fools because they don't know what to do. And, you know, and, and, you know, and, and the trolling, I just, I just didn't get it, you know, why he would purposely troll people and things like that instead of governing, doing something, instead of just making a mockery of the presidency and trying to quote unquote own the libs. I just, that has always bothered me. I'm, I'm not a Democrat. But I always hated that, this idea that they were more concerned, it seemed like, with owning the libs, making them look bad than they were in actually governing our country and making America great again. Instead, it was just, let's see how much we can make the liberals cry. That's not what we hire the president to do, is not to make liberals cry. That's not why you got the job. When you ran for office, you said you were going to end the wars. You said you were going to build a wall. You said you were going to bring jobs back to America. You said we were going to have a great economy again. You know, you were talking to these people that, that were being ignored by the Democrats. And then you got in office and his attitude became at some point and among the Democrats or among the Republicans, let's just make the snowflakes cry. Let's let's that's that's just really funny and a lot of fun. And yeah, and it is fun. There, it's on, you know, I enjoy watching the good YouTube videos, watching uh, the reaction of liberals freaking out on election night. It's funny. It's hilarious. But if I am governing, if I have a job to do, that is not what I'm going to use my position for. Is just to make liberals cry. If what I'm doing to help America makes liberals cry, well, I'm not going to get heartbroken over it. If I'm doing what I think is best, but to purposely troll liberals and purposely say things to get them worked up, to get them upset, to hurt their feelings, to make them cry. Like, you know, this is why you lost. And this is why we've, we lost the house and the Senate and the white house is because we didn't have any leadership. We just had insults and, and jokes and taking on the media and taking on liberals. And, you know, yeah, that, like I said, it might be, cathartic, you know, because he's saying things to the media that we've always wanted to say, but that's not a recipe for getting reelected. It's not a long-term strategy. Um, so I, I'm really disappointed in what happened there. And then, you know, what happened at the Capitol this week was particularly egregious to me. I don't, I waited actually a day before speaking about it. And even now, 
I'm not sure that I really want to talk a lot about it. It, it, it just, for me, it was one of the worst days I've seen. It actually was the worst day I experienced in, since 9-11. Um, not true. There was no major loss. Of, I mean, there was loss of life. Four people died. Um, you know, which is which is horrible. Whether they were good or bad, or whether they were on the side of the protesters or on the side of the police or anything, death is tragic. Anyway, I'm not at all saying that it's no big deal that four people died. But I'm saying if you compare that to what happened on 9/11, you know, this isn't as bad. But I had the same feelings though, where I didn't really. I kept telling myself that I don't really want to watch anymore. But I couldn't take myself away from it, and that's how I was on the events of 9/11. Like the towers fell, and I was so upset. Not, and when I say upset, this time I'm not meaning angry. I was just sad. I was demoralized, and I kept telling myself, "Turn it off. You got to go do something. You can't just sit here and watch this." And I couldn't turn away. You know, I'm I'm watching them dig through the rubble, knowing they're not going to find any survivors at this point. And I still kept watching. I mean, like, I, and that's kind of how I felt felt yesterday. You know, it was it was horrible to watch. And I was angry. I was upset. I was disappointed. I was disappointed and angry with Trump, honestly, for continuing this rhetoric, getting everyone worked up. And then he goes back to the White House, and then. Then these people stormed the Capitol. Why was he getting these people worked up? What did he think he was going to accomplish? There is nothing he can do. There is nothing. After the Electoral College certified it in the Constitution, there is nothing you can do to stop it at that point. Nothing. They they do it, and then the Congress gets together, and they just read the results of what the Electoral College said, and that's it. There is nothing the vice president can do. You can, you can have – you know, you can raise an objection, but it got voted down right away. There was nothing, there was absolutely zero chance, zero, that anything, you can protest outside all you want. There is nothing they can do. Joe Biden is going to be the next president. He was going to be the next president on election night or the day after the election when it became obvious he was the winner. And I had been so angry. I've been keeping it to myself, but I've been so angry, you know, with all these people who are claiming that God's going to intervene, that, you know, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, you know, there's going to be, an, you know, all these things are going to happen and Donald Trump's going to get sworn in for a second term. It's not going to happen, guys. And it, it annoyed me that we were even entertaining the motion seriously, that people on the news were even talking about it. It's not going to happen. If if it were possible, Donald Trump would never have gotten elected president because nobody, except the people who voted for him, nobody wanted Donald Trump. The Republicans didn't want Donald Trump. The Democrats didn't want Donald Trump. Um, the Congress didn't want Donald Trump. Barack Obama didn't want Donald Trump. Joe Biden as vice president didn't want Donald Trump. You know, the media didn't want Donald Trump. Nobody wanted Donald Trump president. If there was any, any, any possibility to keep Donald Trump from being president, they would have used it. If the vice president had the power to do that, Joe Biden would have thrown out the votes and made Hillary Clinton president. He wouldn't have let Donald, uh, Donald Trump become president if the vice president had power to throw out the election. It is just so ridiculous to think that that they're going to be able to stop Joe Biden from being president. You know, it just it just annoyed me that they continued to talk as if this is a realistic possibility and continued to um, get fundraising, which is just going to Donald Trump. You just, you know, there was no reason for fundraising to, to raise money for Donald Trump's defense. He has no defense. You, you know, yesterday when they did the Electoral College, or when they did counted the Electoral College vote before the lunatics broke in and stopped it, uh, where, where were the Trump lawyers that all your money going, was going for? Not, there was no lawyers there because it's not a it's not a legal process. It's just a constitutional process. So why on earth for the past month have they been 
telling their supporters to send them money so they can fight fight for the uh, fight for this cause. You know, this money is going to Donald Trump. This money they're just grifting off the public. They're profiting off of the people with lies. Miss, you know, they're lying to people telling them that this money is going to be going to somehow stop the steal and it wasn't. There's nothing they can do. <coughs> so it just angered me when they did this, when they stormed the Capitol, you didn't accomplish anything. And you're just acting like a bunch of spoiled brats who didn't get your way, you know, because you supported a president who refused to lead, who continued to gaslight everybody, make up stories about building walls when he didn't build hardly any of the wall. He shut down the stupid government, shut down the entire government because it was so important that he has this wall that he's going to shut down the government, and then he caves in because the people revolted that he shut down the government, declared an emergency, took money from all these different defense budgets and all these things to build the wall, and he still didn't do it. All those years later, he claimed he was going to bring troops home from around the world. He didn't do any of that. He didn't bring jobs back in any discernible manner. The stock market did great, but the stock market's been doing fine, been been rising since 2008. Ever since we had the stock market crash of 2008, it's been getting better and better and better. So that was, it's got better under Bush, got better under Obama than it was under Bush, got better under Trump than it was under Obama. It's part of a natural process. They are, it's buybacks, people. The economy isn't doing any better. It's, you're giving tax breaks to the rich who own business. They buy their own stock back so it makes the stock market rise because there's constant buying and selling in the stock market. It It's not any barometer of the economy. This has been going on since Obama. They're buying back their own stock, and so it looks like the stocks are constantly being bought and sold, which gives confidence to the stock market, and so more people are buying in the stock market. But the American people aren't doing any better. I mean, they're doing a little better, but I'm saying, but it's not a it's not a barometer of how the American people are doing. The stock market was breaking records under Obama, and yet our economy was floundering under Obama because the average person wasn't making any money. They weren't doing any better. It was just a house of cards, and you saw that. A little virus comes over from China, and our, our entire economy falls apart. People who are, And we discover that people are living paycheck to paycheck. They have no money in savings because the economy wasn't doing that well. They've only got enough money to pay their bills. And as soon as that was taken away, now – Everyone is completely broke because they don't have money saved up. They don't have thousands and thousands of dollars as they would have if the economy had been doing absolutely gangbuster. They'd be having so much money that they'd have money saved up. They wouldn't be living paycheck to paycheck. You know, they'd be buying their houses. They'd be, you know, all these things. Instead, they lost two paychecks in a row. And, all, and now, eight months later or nine months later, however long, almost a year now of being shut down, they're completely broke. They have no money left they, because the economy was not doing that great. And he comes along gaslighting people, lying to them, and then fools around instead of actually doing anything to really help anybody or fulfill any of his campaign promises. You know, he's posing with a can of beans because, oh, that'll really get the liberals worked up. You know, you know, I, what, are, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Why aren't you governing? You know, just trying to own the libs all the time. Always trying to troll and make them cry. Keep crying, snowflake, and things like that. So it just, it, it's bothered me. That is the reason why you lost. It's the reason why only Trump lost. It wasn't because it was rigged against Trump. It was because people didn't have a problem with the other Republicans. They had a problem with Donald Trump. No, and if you had had a better candidate, if you had, if the Republicans had actually removed Trump from office a year ago when he was impeached, we'd be looking at Mike Pence being ready to be reelected for his sec, for his real first full term, you know. But instead, you wanted to play games and own the libs, so you left Donald Trump into office, and now we have a raging pandemic that's out of control. We have um, rioters breaking into the Capitol, all because everybody wanted to play games instead of actually getting rid of Donald Trump in the primary in 2016 
they could have stood up to Trump at any point during his presidency and told him, you're a grown man. You will not act like this. You do this again. We're going to throw your butt out on out of the White House. You got it? Good. You know, they had the House and the Senate. They could have done anything they wanted. They didn't need Trump for anything. They could have told him, look, bud, you're here for four years. This is how we're going to run things. And, you know, but they didn't. They continued to let him spread conspiracy theories and lies. And and now they're all like, oh, who could have foreseen this? Um, Maybe every one of us that warned you against voting for Trump and, and warned you in the past four years. I mean, who was it? When he got impeached, everyone warned, if you let him get away with this, then the next time he's going to feel emboldened to do more and more and more. And then what was Susan Collins' response? Oh, I think he learned his lesson from being impeached. You know, we need to leave him in office. All these Republicans, oh, you know, he's not going to do anything like that. And now, look, people are storming the freaking Capitol because Donald Trump is a fascist. And he's been a fascist. And everyone said, oh, he'll accept the results of the election. He'll be fine. You guys are making too much of it. No, I warned you. He is a lunatic. Get this man out of office. You can't afford to have him there. Oh, he'll be fine. Nothing. And then they're storming the Capitol. What'd you think was going to happen when you left Donald Trump in office? What'd you think ha- would happen when you let him in the office the first time? He should never have been president of the United States. He never should have been president. The Republicans never should have allowed him to have the nomination. They never should have. And I'm not arguing that Hillary Clinton should have been president, but I'm saying the Republicans should have put their foot down in 2016 and said, this man is not going to be our nominee. And they should have replaced him. And now we're stuck in a position. How are we going to recover from this? And I'm just angry that this country has fallen apart. It's even worse now than it was under Barack Obama. And I'm just angry that I don't know if it's salvageable. I don't know how we're going to fix this because he's divided this country far worse than it was under Barack Obama. We are far farther apart. And I just don't know what else to do. I just don't see how Biden is going to bring us together. And I don't see how a future Republican is going to bring us together. And I don't see how we're going to get rid of Donald Trump. I mean, is he going to continue to be a thorn in our side until he dies? Is he just going to keep tweeting and holding rallies and, and, and fomenting coups, you know, for the next four, eight years? You know, I, I just don't see how this is going to end. We've created a monster now with Donald Trump that there's no way to get rid of him. And, and, and we've gotten to a point now where the problem has become so large that even if you got rid of Donald Trump, he's now radicalized so many people in the country that you get rid of Donald Trump, it's like Al-Qaeda. It is like freaking Al-Qaeda. Like we got rid of Osama bin Laden, but you didn't end Al-Qaeda because now it's an ideal. It's not one person. So now we have little Al-Qaeda's all over the world now that we got rid of Osama bin Laden. We still have the problem, except now instead of it being directed from one person, now you got little cult groups all over the world that are creating havoc. So, yeah, we can get rid of Donald Trump, and one day Donald Trump will die. But they've radicalized, he's radicalized all of – not all of his supporters. So I know a lot of decent Trump supporters. But he's radicalized this segment of his, of his supporters to the point where even if you get rid of Trump now, they are going to be out there being a problem, and how do you handle it? How do you handle this? And it really pisses me off because – in order to handle it, you're going to have to give our federal government an immense amount of power because even though the people are supposed to be the rulers in this country, if you have domestic terrorists among the people, then the government is going to have to take extraordinary measures to strip people of their rights to in order to catch these people, in order to stop these people. So you're going to have to have mass surveillance. You're going to have to have the government have to be able to get into people's emails and and things in order to find out who the radicals are because you can't tell just by looking at one American or another that this person is a radical and that's not. And it might work if they were radical liberals, but these aren't radical liberals. So they're not walking around with you know, um, any stereotypical things that you might say about 
black people or anything else. Um, you know, they're, you know, so I, I, I've, I've wanted to avoid this point for a long time. And I really hoped that this would dissipate under Trump at some point that he would take his job seriously. But because I have always resisted the idea of ever labeling anybody in America, whether it's Antifa, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's the MAGA cult, any of these people, the militias, I've always argued against naming them a terrorist organization because as soon as American people become terrorists, then the government will will have the ability and the authority to clamp down on people and then you have tyranny. When they can send in the military to stop people because you don't like what they think, then um, then we're on the road to tyranny when the government turns against the people. And now we've gotten to a point where I don't know how else you're going to stop this except for the government to have to turn against its own people and label American citizens who should be their boss as terrorists. And strip them again i don't like saying this but this is what you're going to have to do you have to strip them of their rights they have to be stripped of the right to privacy so you can monitor their phone calls so you can monitor their movements you have to strip them of their right you know of uh, i don't know of habeas corpus but you know where you're arresting people on uh, preemptively they haven't committed a crime but we think they're going to so we're going to arrest them that is completely unconstitutional, but that's what you do to terrorists. That's what we do. That's what we did in Iraq. We we went in and attacked Iraq, pre pre um, not because Iraq had did anything to us, but we did it because we believed that they were planning attack against the United States. That's why uh, Trump killed uh, Soleimani because allegedly he was plotting something against the United States, and so uh, he took him out before he could do something. That's what we'll have to do. That's what the government's going to have to do to to. Uh, American citizens say, you haven't committed a crime yet, but we're going to arrest you because you might commit a crime or we think you're going to commit a crime. We don't actually have any evidence, but based on what we think, I don't want to get to that point. But if this, but right now, it looks like that's what's going to happen because a segment of our population has been radicalized against our government, against our institutions, against the Constitution. And they they have to be stopped. But, you know, and this is where I'm torn because the law and order in me says they have to be stopped. We have to do something. You cannot just let terrorists wander the streets of our, city, of our country and just be like, oh, well, it's no big deal. You can't do that. You can't turn a blind eye to this. But at the same time, once we start down that road, Everybody's rights are endangered. We have no constitution. If if the government suspects that I'm a terrorist, and I'm you know I'm not, but if they for some reason if I had if I know somebody who's a terrorist and don't even know it, if I if I just have that look, if they don't like what I'm saying on the podcast, that means they can strip me of my rights because I'm a terrorist. That's ridiculous. I never wanted to come to this, and it just it pisses me off that Trump radicalized these people, and now we're going to be forced into a police state because he couldn't keep his fat mouth shut for five minutes and couldn't just take things like a man but handles everything like a little baby. He cries about every freaking thing. We don't have a John Wayne or a Clint Eastwood in the White House. We have a three-year-old child who continues to cry about everything. Oh, woe is me. I'm always treated so bad. By the media. I'm treated so bad by Democrats. I'm treated so bad by everybody. Grow up. Every president is treated badly. That's part of the job. You wanted the job. Why did you run for office if you didn't want to deal with this? Like, this is, you're not the first president. You're not George Washington. So anyway, I just, I'm just really upset right now, and I don't know what to do, and I don't know how to handle this. But the whole thing just is I'm it's just beyond words for me. I don't even know. Anyway, I'm running I'm running over time. Hopefully next week will be better. Um maybe I'll be in a better mood. Hopefully. Hopefully I'll see something some light of of hope here. 
And I don't know. Next week, I started to say next week will be the inauguration, but that's not sure. I think that's two weeks. So we'll see as it gets closer what happens. But um, anyway, I'll talk to you all real soon. Um, yeah, have a great week. Bye, everyone.